day comes from two different places. It comes from the Gospel of John, and it comes from the Gospel of St. Matthew. Friends, we believe this is God's Word. It is inspired. It is unchangeable. When our lives are lived best, we're, we're living them according to this Word. And when life gets off the rail, it tends to go off the rail because we're not living according to this Word. In honor of God's Word, will you please stand? <clears throat> From St. John chapter 12. The next day, the great crowd that had come to the festival heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches from palm trees and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Jesus found a donkey and sat on it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. Look, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's coat. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written of him and had been done to him. So the crowd that had been with him when he called out Lazarus of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to testify. It was because they heard that they had performed this sign that the crowd went to meet him. And then the Gospel of St. Matthew But all this has taken place so that the scriptures of the prophets may be fulfilled. Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. This is God's word for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. So I grew up in Mobile, Alabama. That's hometown uh, for me. And Mobile has all sorts of celebrations. Anything they can think up to have a celebration for, they do. And so they have all kinds of them. There, there's a Christmas celebration. There's the Senior Bowl. There's the Azalea Trail Maids and their antebellum dresses. But there is no more honored event and revered and highly attended than Mardi Gras. There's been an ongoing disagreement now for, hmm, I guess since the beginning. There's been an ongoing disagreement about where Mardi Gras originated, but sadly it seems, the facts seem to show it was New Orleans where it originated, but people in Mobile won't, won't let go of that. <laughs> and the greatest day of all in the Mardi Gras season is what? Mardi Gras Day, also known as... Fat Tuesday, parade after parade after parade, they're partying in the streets and the candy's thrown from the floats. It is a spectacular event. In fact, if you ask most people, they will tell you the best day of Mardi Gras is Mardi Gras Day because that's the day. And Mardi Gras wouldn't be Mardi Gras without the parades. It just wouldn't be the same. The parades are the best thing, and the occasion for today is a festive occasion. It was the custom, friends, of the time that when an honored and revered guest came to town, the people, the townspeople would come and greet them by placing palm branches on the ground for them to walk on as they entered the city because the palm branch 
was a symbol of victory. Baseball season is on us. This past Thursday was opening day. Teams started making their way toward the World Series. Everybody's hoping and hoping and hoping. And I was reading something the other day about the history of the World Series and some of the most valuable players. And I came across the name John Wetland. Now, you may not remember who John Wetland is, but John Wetland was the MVP of the 1996 World Series. John Wetland was the closer for the New York Yankees when they played the Braves in the World Series. And after the Braves had won a couple of games, the Yankees, you may, some of you may recall this, the Yankees roared back and won four in a row. And John Wetland was the closer for every one of those games. Silencing the bats, guaranteeing a Yankee victory. And because he did close all those games, John Wetland was named the, the World Series MVP. Strangely enough, though, not long after that, the, the, the Yankees decided they, were, they didn't need John Wetland any longer. So they traded him to the Texas Rangers. And a few weeks after he had been with the Rangers, a reporter interviewed him and asked him this question. John, what do you remember most about being a Yankee? What would you say was your greatest moment? Now, <clears throat> I would have expected him to say something like, it was the last game of the series. It was the last batter, and the batter had a 3-2 count. And I struck him out. I would, have, I would have expected that. But here's what he said. He said, the best day of it all was the ticker tape parade. <laughs> Riding in the open air down the streets of New York City, confetti raining down everywhere, cheers, thousands of people. It was the greatest moment of my life, said John Wetland. If I were to ask Jesus, what was the greatest day? If I were to ask Jesus, what was the highlight, what was the best moment, he would not say the parade. He would not say it was the day of palms. He wouldn't say it was great when the crowd was there and it was wonderful, no, Jesus wouldn't say that that was the best moment because, friends, things were about to turn ugly, ugly, ugly. The ones who, who uh, said that they would stick with him through anything, the Bible says they all deserted him. Today marks the beginning of the last and longest week in the life of Jesus Christ. Now, please notice, it didn't say the hangers-on deserted him. I would have understood that. It didn't say that the curiosity seekers or the peripheral peoples deserted. I would have understood that. It said all the disciples ran away. John is very, very careful about his language. All the gospel writers are. 
all the disciples ran away. So that's how it would all turn out. I guess commitment's easy when the price tag is cheap. I guess commitment is easy when the sacrifice is minimal. I guess commitment is easy when you think you're riding into town for a coronation and it's something altogether different when a coronation becomes a crucifixion. Very, very different. And Jesus, let's be clear about this, was riding into something he would not physically survive. He wouldn't. And he knew it. But he kept going because he knew that fame is fleeting. And the same people who today are shouting, Hosanna, in a few days will say, crucify him. People are fickle, aren't they? So what I'd like to do for just a few moments this morning is look at how Jesus responded when the applause died away in hopes that we can understand something. When, we, when, when doing the right thing is hard, when we have to take a stand that will be unpopular, when the applause dies away. First of all, when the applause died away, Jesus knew the source of his strength, and so must we. He knew the source of his strength did not rest in public opinion, but in the opinion of his Father in heaven. I was having lunch with a group of pastors some time back, and they were telling me about, an ex- one of them was telling about an experience he'd had one Saturday. He said his t- son had a t-ball game to play, and they'd gotten up pretty early to go over to the park and played the game. And when it was over, he and his son were making their way back to the car from the, from the ball fields. And someone called out to him and said, Good morning, preacher. My friend said he turned and waved and spoke to them, but then when they got in the car and were buckling up their seatbelts, he said his son looked at him and said from out from under the baseball cap, Daddy, you sure got a lot of names. (laughs) He said, what do you mean by that? He said, well, some people call you reverend, some people call you preacher, some people call you pastor, and some just call you Mike. Ah, I get it, said my friend. I see what you're saying. Well, well which, which, which name do you like best? He asked his son. And he said, the boy just stared straight ahead, transfixed. And in a few seconds, he turned and looked up with his head tilted. He said, I think I like Daddy the best. Jesus could face anything because God has many names. Yahweh, Jehovah, creator, higher power. Jesus knew him as Abba. And so may you and so may I. Jesus knew where his strength was. His strength was not in public opinion polls. It was not in what's trending now. Jesus knew that his strength rested in a relationship that was rock solid. Here's the thing we have to remember. You listening? I hope you're listening. 
As long as your identity rests in public opinion, what people think of you, what's popular will always be what defines you. When things are difficult for you and me, and they, they will be, and some of them have been, when we have to take stands that are not popular, and we will have to, when we have to do what's right in the face of what's convenient, and we will, we must remember who we are seeking to please. The Bible says, my help is in the name of the Lord. When the applause died away, Jesus knew where his strength rested, and it wasn't in public opinion polls. Secondly, when the applause died away, Jesus knew the nature of people, <laughs> and so must we. Do you agree with me that people can be fickle? Wow. You see, Jesus didn't get too high when people applauded him. He didn't get too low when they opposed him because he knew people. And he knew that people are both good and bad. And by that, I don't mean they're good people and they're bad people. We, we know that's true. Jesus knew that inside every human being is the capacity to be good and to be ugly. He knew that inside every human being is the capacity to do what's right and to do what's wrong, and that includes all of us. He knew that inside every human being was a good side and a bad side. When I say the name Flip Wilson, does that name ring a bell? <laughs> Flip Wilson used to always say, the devil made me do it. The devil appeared on my shoulder made me do it. Now, inside all of us, there's something good and there's something bad. And here's the thing. The part we feed the most will emerge in difficult moments of decision. It's easy to be good when everything's good. It's easy to be good when everything's going our way, but when the press is on, when the hard stuff is coming at you, my, my dad used to say, son, always remember, when the lemon gets squoozed, what's in it's going to come out. When we get squoozed, the real us comes out. We, there's not enough good in all of us to be perfect. There's not enough bad in us that God's going God's to reject us. Jesus knew the nature of people. And as long as your identity, as long as your sense of being exists in somebody else's opinion, you're going to be up and down, up and down, up and down. Because that's how people are. That's how they are. Here's the, here's the last thing we need to hear this morning. When the applause died away, Jesus knew what his destiny 
would be. You see, here's the thing. For three years, he'd been telling them. This didn't just crop up last week. This didn't just crop up two or three months ago. For three years, Jesus, in one way or another, had been saying the Son of Man will go before sinful people. Jesus knew what was coming when the applause died away. Jesus knew that people, you and I, are good and bad, and you and I have our challenges every day. Scott Peck is a noted writer and psychiatrist, and he said this. He said, after 50 years of counseling, I've concluded that all of life is about wrecking relationships and reconciling relationships. Isn't that great? He said, I've been doing this for half a century, and I have discovered that all of life is about wrecking relationships and reconciling relationships. You know, we don't stumble into health in our relationships. We don't just stumble into it. It takes work. Because a lot of people have experienced brokenness in relationships. Jesus knew the nature of people and he knew his destiny. So let's be really, really clear about this, okay? We're on what Paul Harvey called the rest of the story. We know how this thing ends, don't we? We know how this thing ends. And sometimes it would be great to be able to just stand back and look at, well, if I'd only known now what I knew then. If I'd only known now what I knew then. If I had only known now we know how this thing's going to end. But my friends, listen carefully. To those who belong to Jesus Christ, your worth is not defined by others, by what other people think of you. There are so many people who walk around time after time after time and they have been told for a long, long time that they're worthless and they're useless and they're never going to amount to anything. And guess what? That becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. If I could get any message of Palm Sunday across to you, it would be this. You are God's beloved child. You are God's beloved child. And I am God's beloved child. You say, well, preacher, you don't know what I've done. You don't know all the stuff. You don't know, you don't know. You're right, I don't know. But it doesn't matter that I don't know. What matters is that God knows. And there is nothing you will ever do that will place you outside his love and grace. Can you receive that today? Can you receive the idea that, that this is a day when we remember Jesus was walking into something he wouldn't survive 
but he loved us even still. Let's pray for a moment. Almighty God, we thank you for this incredibly important day. We thank you for this moment when we can shout, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But we also know how this thing ends. And so, Lord, give to us your wisdom and your grace. Help us not seek others' opinion. Help us not be defined by what others think. Help us to know that you've loved us all along and you love us still. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.